Y'all ready for the word? Uh, I'm excited to preach. We've been in this series called Give Me That Mountain, and uh, we've been reading this text every single week. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10 through 12, it says this, And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord has spoken this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old. And yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength forward, both my going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Which mountains are we claiming as a church? And, and we've been talking about this every week, that there are uh, seven mountains in our society that determine and dictate the direction in which our culture go. What are they? They are entertainment, media, business, education, government, family, religion. What are these? These are seven mountains or seven spheres of influence that really dictate what we say, what we believe as a culture. And the reason why we're talking about this is because we believe that Christians are not called to be bystanders when it comes to these mountains. And we're not called to sit on the sidelines. We are not called to just observe these mountains. What are we called to do? We are called to take our rightful place and impact these kingdoms or these mountains with the values of the kingdom of God. Now, there's typically a couple different responses. Are you guys good if we just jump in? There's a couple different responses that the church typically has to the culture. We got one group of people, they adapt to culture. In other words, they think the way culture thinks. They talk the way culture talks. They dress the way culture dresses. Everything that culture does, they're in the church, but really their values are driven by what culture says. On the other side, you have people that are anti-culture. This is the person that says everything is evil. You know, music is evil unless Chris Tomlin is singing. Like, like unless it's casting crowns, I don't want it. R-rated movies are evil unless they depict the crucifixion of Jesus, right? Like, everything is evil. Picture the person that is on the side of the road with a bullhorn yelling at people that they're going to hell, right? The person that is anti-culture. Here's the problem with those two perspectives. The person that adapts to culture will be powerless, the person that is anti-culture will have new in, no influence. So what are we called to do as a church? We're not called to adapt to culture. We're, we're not called to be anti-culture. We are called to influence culture. We're called to impact culture, which is why we are declaring by faith, give me that mountain. What are we saying? We're saying that the, king, that the mountain of family belongs to the kingdom of God. Come on, the mountain of government belongs to the kingdom of God. The the mountain of religion belongs to the kingdom of God. We are not called to uh, accept the mountain as it is, and we're not called to reject the mountain. We're called to redeem the mountain, and so that's what this series is all about, and every week we've been talking about um, different keys to unlock influence in these particular spheres of influence. We've talked about faith. We've talked about wholehearted devotion. Uh, we've talked about eradicating fear. All of these messages were incredible. I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to them. They are way better than the one that I'm about to preach to you. And, and so I encourage you going back and listening to them. And today, I'm going to talk about something that has transformed my life. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that it's going to transform your life as well. I, I'm going to be talking about the power of using your voice. 
We will never establish influence in our culture until we learn the power of using our voice. And so I've got a creative title for you. If you're a note taker, write these three words at the top of the page. Use your voice is the title of my message. Now, to be fair, there are a lot of areas in life where we need to use our voice less. Have you ever looked at somebody, heard them speak, and thought, you should talk less? <laughs> Parents of toddlers, you may get this because our toddlers will bring us into a level of, um, of, of embarrassment that we did not know that was previously possible. A couple of weeks ago, I was with my four-year-old son. I got two boys, and I was with my four-year-old. We were in a public place, and there was a guy with long hair. And he was rocking the man bun. It looked great. And uh, we were walking together, and my son Micah said out loud, loud enough for this guy to hear it, he said, hey, Dad. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> he said, is that a boy or a girl? <laughs> and I never know how to respond in those moments. I'm just like, it's a boy, but It's a boy, buddy, you know? Kids will say the, the weirdest things. Kids will say the creepiest things. Parents, you will understand this. The other day, my wife was putting my son Micah to sleep, and, and he told, as he was like fading into sleep, he, he told my wife, he said, this is so weird, I can't believe I'm telling you this. He, he said, Mama, I promise to never eat anyone in our family. Say what you will about my parenting style, but my kid will not be a cannibal. I know that for sure. So I'm doing pretty good. I'm counting it a win. But it's not just kids that say weird stuff. Adults will say the most out-of-pocket things to you. Like, like when they don't know what to say, they get, I mean, adults would just say some weird stuff. You ever seen an adult, you're like, you should talk less. You should use your voice less. For example, my, my wife, she's, a, uh, she's on the front row. Kaylee, I love you. You're amazing. She is a, she's like, move on. She gave me the move on nod. Kaylee is a type 1 diabetic, and uh, when she tells people that in conversation, uh, they don't know how to respond, so they try to relate, and, and many times, this is, guys, this has happened on multiple occasions where Kaylee will say, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and they'll be like, oh, um, my great-grandpa was a diabetic, and they had to chop his legs off. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry about your grandpa. I'm gonna walk over here, <laughs> apparently enjoy my legs while I can. Just like, why? You should talk less, you know? There's, there's a lot of areas in life where you hear people and you learn why the scripture says that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. There's a lot of areas where we need to use our voice less. When it comes to gossip, use your voice less. When it comes to gossip that is disguised as a prayer request, come on, somebody, use your voice less. When it comes to complaining, use your voice less. When it, when it comes to divisive social media posts, come on, somebody, use your voice less. When it comes to your opinions, use your voice less. You know why? Because people are gullible. I am gullible. A couple of months ago, I was watching Shark Tank, and Robert from Shark Tank said, and I quote, pizza is very good for you, and I have believed him ever since then. <laughs> why, do we, why should we hold off on using our opinions void from the word of God? Because people are gullible, and we're doing more harm than good. There's many moments where we need to use our voice less. We need to take the advice of Aaron Burr and talk less. Smile more. You guys know what I'm saying, but... 
When it comes to prayer, use your voice. When it comes to worship, don't just think it or internalize it. Use your voice. When it comes to your response to the word of God, use your voice. I think many times people will ask like, man, why is this church so loud? Like you wouldn't need the earplugs if you weren't so loud. Why are you so loud? Why, why are they, you'll see people standing up and clapping in the middle of the message. You'll see people shouting in the middle of worship. You'll see people clapping. Why do we do that? Because we're emotional? Because we're over the top? Because we're hyped? No, because the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The Bible says that if we don't cry out, then the rocks will cry out. The Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Why do we use our voice? Because all throughout Scripture, God is communicating these three words. Use your voice. And today I'm going to talk about a guy who used his voice in the scripture, and it changed everything. We're going to be talking about a guy by the name of Bartimaeus. Old Bart, a.k.a. Barty B. Let's talk about Bartimaeus today. Turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. <laughs> and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind Beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And he said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up to, and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Holy Spirit, we love you. I pray that you would give me the words to say. Give me the grace to do what you've called me to do. God, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would open up our ears to hear, our hearts to, uh, God, just to receive your word in the name of Jesus. We ask you right now that this atmosphere would be full of faith, full of power, full of miracles in the name of Jesus as we learn the value of using our voice. God, I pray that we would gain our voice back today in Jesus' Name. I'm, a, I'm about to pull a couple of thoughts just out of this story real quick, and then we're going to use our voice. But the first thought that I want to share with you is so simple, but it's this. Your voice is powerful. Your voice is powerful. But Bartimaeus didn't receive a healing until he learned to use his voice. His, his sight was contingent upon him using his voice. Him getting vision was contingent upon him using his voice. There, bef there was one thing between Bartimaeus and his breakthrough, and it was a barrier called silence. That was the only thing in between Bartimaeus and an encounter with God was a barrier called silence. What if the only thing in between you and freedom what if the only thing in between you and a life of abundance that God has promised for you, what if the only thing in between you and encounter with God is an invisible barrier called silence? Your voice is powerful. Bartimaeus used his voice, and this teaches me that your voice sets miracles in motion. 
Your voice initiates an encounter with God. In the same way a sound causes an avalanche, your voice sets miracles into motion. But we've made using our voice as a response. Like, like when God does a miracle, we respond. And we might shout or worship or praise. Or when the worship team plays our favorite song and they play that bridge that just makes the whole room go nuts, we respond. Or when a preacher nails it. Like, we got to nail it to get people moving sometimes. Like, I got to raise my voice at the right time and play your heartstrings at the right time. And that's how that happens, by the way. And I got I to say the right words to get you moving emotionally. And maybe, just maybe, I'll preach it good enough to cause you to stand up and shout. But God never intended for our voice to be a response. Our voice is what initiates an encounter with God. And so instead of waiting for God to do something and then I respond, I use my voice and it initiates an encounter with God. Your voice is powerful. In fact, you cannot separate power and sound. A a train has great power and it has great sound. An airplane has great power and it has a great Sound. The louder the engine, the more powerful it is going to be. Can I illustrate this for you? There's a dark, dark time in my life where my primary vehicle was a Kia Soul. <laughs> you know how humiliating it is for a grown man to climb into a Kia Soul? If you're a grown man driving a Kia Soul, I still have it, so you can't be offended. That's the rules. <laughs> Kia Soul. Did you know that a Kia Soul goes zero to 60 in 6.4 minutes? I drive a Kia Soul. When I turn my Kia Soul on, it sounds like a bumblebee has had a bad day. My Kia, did I mention I drive a Kia Soul? And so I decided one day that I can either be humiliated by the fact that I drive a Kia Soul or <laughs> this ad is brought to you by Kia. I'm just kidding. I can either be humiliated by it or I can just own the fact that I drive a Kia. So, and so I remember one time I pulled up, I was at a red light and I pulled up next to this Dodge Charger. And so what I decided to do is I put my Kia Soul in neutral. I roll my window down and I start to rev my Bumblebee engine. And I look at this guy as if to challenge him. And he starts revving his engine, and there is a clear difference in sound. The light turns green. I put it in drive. This is the greatest comeback story of all. I channel my inner Vin Diesel. This is family. And I put the pedal to the metal, and I take off, and no, he left me in the dust. Why? Because with great sound, there is great power. The church may be... Maybe it's because we we don't have a great sound that we do not have great power. A church that is without sound, come on, will be a church that is without power. If you want to walk in power, then you've got to have a sound. You've got to be able to use your voice in the place of prayer. You've got to be able to use your voice in the place of worship. If you are so, if you're sick of being bullied by darkness, if you're sick of being tossed by every storm that comes your way, maybe the problem is not you need more power. Maybe the sound needs to come and the power will follow. You cannot separate sound from 
from power. It's their, their inseparable companions. In fact, this is one of the first principles. Are you, are you with me today? This is one of the first principles that we see in Scripture. Don't forget about Bartimaeus, but let me take you all the way back to Genesis 1, where we see the power and value of using our voice. You guys good for a little Bible study? Can we teach the Word of God? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Things are going pretty well so far. And then the Bible starts sharing with us a few things that are problematic about the earth. And God's got to solve these problems before he can call it good. What were the problems? The, the earth was without form. The earth was void. That's a problem. Everyone say, that's a problem. The, the earth was dark. We know that darkness is a problem. So if you're looking at this text from 30,000 feet, you're seeing all of these problems. The question is, which problem is God going to solve first? And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, we see what problem God solves first. God did not solve the problem of formlessness. He did not solve the problem of the void. Before God dealt with darkness, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. The first two words, it says, God said. God said. God used his voice. So before God dealt with darkness, God dealt with silence. God's watching two problems side by side. I see the problem of darkness, and I see the problem of, of silence. And God prioritizes breaking the silence before he releases light. So what does this mean for me? Because I think many times in the church we are so fearful of darkness. What are we going to do about the darkness in the world? In the school systems, they're dark. Government is dark. In areas of religion, it's dark. What are we going to do about the darkness? And can I propose to you that while many people in the church are scared of the darkness, what is more dangerous to me and you is not darkness of the world, but the silence of the church. The most dangerous thing for your kids is not, is not unbiblical ideologies that are being proposed in school systems. What is more dangerous for your kids is when your prayer life is absent. And, and many times what we want to do is we want to leave it to a system and we want to insulate our kids and say, okay, let this system be light. But God is saying the answer for darkness is your voice. What if the most dangerous thing for your teenager was not bad influences and addiction? I think the most dangerous thing for teenagers today is the absence of worship in your home. It's the absence of a prayer life in your home. It's the absence of you declaring the word of God in your home. So we need to be a people who have a voice. Come on, man of God, woman of God, begin to use your voice and speak life in your home. What is the answer? For darkness, God said, let there be light, which shows me the answer for darkness is a sound. The answer for darkness is not a system that the world creates. It is a sound that the church releases. And, and I, man, and, and many times we're, I think there are so many people who are victims to darkness in their own personal lives. They say things like, man, I'm just anxious. I'm just depressed. I'm addicted. This is just a hand I've been dealt. This is the way that I've always been. This is the way that I'll always be. 
And at some point, you've just got to make up your mind. Am I going to be a victim or am I going to use my voice? See, Bartimaeus, if anybody could have played the victim, it was Bartimaeus. Come on, blind from birth, rejected by family and society and the crowd, sitting by the road alone. But what does Bartimaeus do? He doesn't wallow in his dysfunction. He uses his voice. Come on, like, I love you. How long are you going to sit there? How long are you going to blame your, your upbringing? How long? Oh, man, I love you so much, and I don't know the pain that you've endured, but at some point in our life, we got to decide, am I going to be a victim and just let this be the way it is, or am I going to stand up and use my voice? Something happens when the people of God use their voice. There's something that happens in a room when you use your voice. There's something that happens when you turn on worship music and say, in the name of Jesus, give me that mountain. There's something that happens when you you say, in the name of Jesus, devil, you can't have my kids or my family or my mind or my heart. There's, there's something happens when, they, you, when you use your voice, when you, when you use your voice. In fact, I love this part of the scripture where Bartimaeus cries out. They silence him and he cries out all the more. And then the Bible says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 49, Jesus stopped. Think about the gravity of that statement for a moment. The king of kings, the healer. The deliverer, the bondage breaker, Jehovah, Jesus stopped. I don't know about you, but there have been seasons in my life where I do not need Jesus just to pass through. There have been seasons in my life where I don't just need a momentary goosebump and then he leaves. You know what I need in this season of my life? I need Jesus to stop. I need, don't just pass through my home, stop in my home. Don't just pass through my situation. Stop in my situation. And I'm just, I, I think that we need to understand that Jesus does not stop at any moment. Jesus stops when we cry out all the more. Your voice is powerful. Your voice is the answer. If the, if, if the solution to darkness was a sound in Genesis 1, and the solution to darkness in Mark chapter 10 was a sound. Are you noticing a pattern? The solution for darkness in our society, the solution for darkness in our government, the solution for darkness in our, in, in, on all of these mountains, it's, it's your sound. It's your sound. It's your sound. Now let me take a moment and um, I want to talk to the introverts who have hated this message so far. You're just sitting there mad at me. Uh, if using your voice is uncomfortable for you, I, I get it. And I'm not expecting everyone in this room to shout like me. I know I'm a lot. I'm not expecting you to pace like me. I'm not expecting you to jump like Pastor Ryan. I'm not expecting you to like get, go crazy. But maybe just like today's the day you like dip your toe in the water, you know? That you go from like crossing your arms and looking at me like you hate me to being like, that's good. You know what I mean? Just like baby steps. It's, it's, it's baby steps. But, but I want to talk to the introverts in the room just for, just for a moment because I think that many times we, we, have, we have allowed the enemy to steal our voice. <laughs> and we've said, because I'm an Enneagram, fill in the blank. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to make friends today. Well, I'm an Enneagram whatever so because of that i'm more calculated and i'm more reserved and i'm i'm a myers briggs intj lmnop i don't know there's too many letters 
But here's, here's the reality. Not only is your voice powerful, but your voice reveals how hungry you are for God. Hunger is always going to have a sound. Desperation is always going to have a sound. Regardless of your personality, if you're hungry, you're going to say something. I've got two sons, as I mentioned. I, uh, I've got a four-year-old, and I've got a, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and they are completely different. Micah, before he knows people, he's not going to talk. He's more reserved. He's more risk adverse. He's more, he's more calculated. He's, he's not going to take as many risks. But then I've got Carter. And he's this, and I don't know, it's something about second born kids, I think, that are just absolutely nuts. Carter is wild. Carter is the extrovert. Carter will jump off of the couch head first just to feel something, man. He just, Car, Carter is absolutely crazy. So I've got an introvert and I've got an extrovert. One who is more reserved and one who is more expressive. Guess what they have in common? Both of them let me know when they're hungry. So regardless of your personal personality or what an internet test told you about how you should behave, I love you, maybe we should not lean on a website to tell us how to conduct our life. Maybe we should go back to the Word of God which says, use your voice. Use your voice. You want breakthrough? Use your voice. You gotta use your voice. There are some seasons of your life that you cannot think your way out of. That <laughs> there are some breakthroughs that you need that you cannot journal your way into. There's some situation. Come on, if you need breakthrough, you might not be able to just like think your way into this. And I think there's two types of people in the church. Okay, we have our thinkers, and we have our declarers. And the declarers many times, and it's, it's normally like they're mutually exclusive, like they're two separate camps. The declarers are normally blabbing about something that they don't even understand. They're just loud. Don't you hate loud people? <laughs> and then you got your thinkers. You got your thinkers, and the thinkers are judging the declarers because the thinkers actually know the scripture, and they know that the declarers are taking that verse out of context, and the thinkers, but here's the problem with the thinkers is they won't declare what they've received from the word of God. And God never intended for us to either think or declare. He intended for us to do both. Well, where's your scripture for that? I'm so glad you asked because I got one. I came prepared. You good for one more Bible study? Colossians chapter 1 and, and verse 16. I love this scripture. Let's, let's read it together. It says, for in him all things were created. Where were they created? In him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him. Where? Through him. So at the beginning of the text, all things were created in him. At the end of the text, all things were created through him. And so it, it, this, this scripture is teaching us that in should lead to through. That God created internally before he created externally. In other words, my thoughts should lead to my declarations. What I think about God should turn into what I declare about God. Your thoughts. Life and death is not in the power of your thoughts. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Life and death is not in the power of what you think or contemplate on. Life and death is in the power of what you declare. Many of you maybe have heard my testimony of my, of my second son, Carter. When he was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck two times. He was 
completely lifeless, purple. They picked him up. His body flops backwards. And for eight minutes and 16 seconds, he is not breathing and has no heartbeat. They measure the health of babies from a scale of one to 10. They put him at a zero. Can I help you with something? What I knew about God didn't change anything about my situation in that moment. What? What? And I'm a preacher, man. And I grew up in ministry. I've heard so many sermons on David and Goliath. Like, I, I know the, the scriptures that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. I know the scriptures about Lazarus where he was raised from the dead. I know the scriptures about Eutychus where Eutychus was raised from the dead. I've got, I've got ammo internally, but what I think about God doesn't have any power in that moment. It is what I thought and then declared about God that caused my son's heart to beat again. I want you to know what you think about God does not bring breakthrough. It is what you think and declare. And I'm believing in Jesus' name that there are some people who have lost their voice that are gonna begin to declare the word of God for the very first time. Come on, use your voice. There's power in, there's power in your voice. Your voice is powerful. The second final thing I want to share with you is um, your voice is unique. Your voice is, is unique. No one has ever sounded like you. Your voice is, is a one of one. Like it cannot be recreated or redistributed or it, 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 I can't think of any more aided, inebriated. That one doesn't fit. I don't, it, it, there, your voice is unique. It's, it, 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 will never, it never existed before you. It will not exist after you. And so what we need to understand is you've got a weapon that no one else has. You threaten the enemy in a way that no one else does. The enemy gets nervous about your voice in a way that he doesn't with anybody else. It's like this, when I say the words, thank you, Jesus, and the worship team sings the words, thank you, Jesus, and Bianca says, thank you, Jesus, we're all saying the same words, but we're using different weapons. Why? Because your voice is unique. No one has ever had it before. No one says it like you say it when you say it. No one prays like you pray when you pray. You bring glory to God in a way that nobody else does. He hears your voice, not as a collection of people, but as individuals. What if it was not the collective shouts of the Israelites that caused the walls of Jericho to fall? What if it was individual shouts that caused bricks to fall? And what if in this room, breakthrough is not going to come when one person or one pastor or one staff member lifts their voice, but when people start to understand my voice is powerful and my voice is unique, it's different, it's never been before. You, you, you unlock the room in a way no one else does. I think Bartimaeus understood this. Bartimaeus understood my voice is powerful. My voice is unique. It makes sense why the enemy tried to steal his voice. Since the days of Bartimaeus, the enemy has been trying to steal people's voices. And this has been my testimony. See, at a, at a young age, I was born like this. I was, loud 
passionate, use my voice. But at a young age, there were some people that were close to me that would ridicule me for things that I said. The way that I said things, how I said things, and because of their words, I began to be silent. Fast forward to my teenage years and I had an encounter with Jesus and he filled me with the Holy Spirit. And I got my voice back. I began to use my voice. I began to preach around 14 years old. And it made sense to me when the world told me to quiet down. But what shocked me is I found religion tried to do the same thing. And I had a lot of well-meaning leaders in my life that told me, hey, you need to chill out a little bit. You, you need to calm down. They said, wait till you get older. Wait till you get wiser. I don't know when I'm going to be older. I don't know when I'm going to arrive there. But I burn more today than I did then. They, they tried to steal. I've learned that I began to relate with Bartimaeus because Bartimaeus lifted his voice and they told him, hey, you need to quiet down. And the temptation of Bartimaeus is to be like, oh yeah, no, you're right. And to be candid with you, I began to fall for the same temptation. People would try to tell me how to preach. People tried to tell me how to act. They said, hey, you need to quiet down and you'll reach more people. Tell more jokes, tell less jokes. Stop being so goofy. Talk about sin more. Talk about sin less. Lower your tone. Give more altar calls. Give less altar calls. And I found myself succumbing to what the enemy was trying to do. But there was something on the inside of me. I love Bartimaeus' response to these people when they told him, quiet down. I love Bartimaeus and the way that he responded to these nameless people who had no impact on history, by the way. I love that Bartimaeus, when they told him to quiet down, the Bible says he cried out all the more. And there was something deep down on the inside of me that when people tried to rob me of my voice, I realized I think this is the unique voice that God has given me. And God told me, cry out all the more, son. And I just want to tell you the same thing today. Cry out all the more. Use your voice when people try to rob you of your voice. Use your voice when people try to come on. And when people try to steal the uniqueness, your authenticity, what God has called you to use your voice don't you become professional come on yeah stand up with me come on don't you become a professional church goer use your voice in an authentic way about to lose my voice in the natural you use you lose your voice because of overuse in the kingdom you lose your voice because of underuse so when I start to elevate my voice is when I start to get it back. <laughs> I want to show you one last thing in the scripture. Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They tell him to quiet down. Bartimaeus cries out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, take heart, stand up. He's calling you. And then there's a place in the scripture, I hope you didn't miss it, where Bartimaeus takes off his cloak, throws it to the side, and goes and falls at the feet of Jesus where he received his miracle. Now, this cloak 
was a government-issued cloak. It legitimized him as a beggar. It legitimized him. It identified him as a victim. It identified him as a voiceless man, as a broken man, as a man who would always be the way that he currently is. And Bartimaeus, when he took off his cloak and threw it to the side, he was making an announcement. I'm never going to lose my voice again. And I'm never going to live in rejection again. And I'm never going to live as a victim again. And here's the reality is I could get you to yell here in a few moments. I could, I could get us in an emotional moment to use our voice. But more than an emotional moment, I want to see the thing that you've been identifying yourself as that has been robbing you of your voice. I wanna see you take that thing off. Who stole your voice? Religion? Fear? Shame? Addiction? Who stole your voice? Was it a lie the enemy spoke? Was it a lie a person spoke? Was it a lie a relative spoke? Who stole your voice? Is it that you don't like the way that you sound? Who stole your voice? Is it that someone told you that you can't sing? Well, I'm believing that there are going to be some worship leaders that get their voice back today. Some preachers who are going to get their voice back today. Come on, some moms who used to pace the room and pray for their babies are going to get their voice back today. Some dads who used to have courage and backbone and be able to declare the word of God. You're going to get some fire back today. Come on, God's giving his voice back. I'm telling you, I it's a daily battle, but the devil is losing the battle from my voice and I believe in the same for you that the devil is losing the battle for your voice thank you Jesus